Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. The term culture has been used broadly and in many different contexts, and the culture of an organization or company can be described in such ranging descriptions as a healthy culture, or even a poisonous one at the far other end of the spectrum. Culture within a school board can have a significant influence on the way the board operates and even impact how the overall district operates. Working as a team is vital to the success of any board, but sometimes there are roadblocks and challenges, even for the most seasoned school leaders and administrators. Today, I'm talking with PSBA's Chief Legal Officer, Stuart Nade, and Senior Training Manager, Will Smeltzer. We will be discussing how to understand culture within a school board, along with the impacts and additionally the supports that can help establish and maintain strong board culture. Welcome, Will. Welcome, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Will, can you start by uh, describing what is board culture? Define that term, if you would, please. Sure. So when we think about board culture, we're really thinking of team culture. And the common saying is culture is simply how we get things done. Um, it's really how the board operates. So in regards to a board culture, you know, we're really looking at, is the board effective? Is the board productive? Is the board successful in meeting the responsibilities um, within its position in the district and supporting the district? So, Will, what's the significance or impact of a school board's culture on the overall school district? Right. So a school board is part of the district's leadership team of 10. Uh, it's the nine locally elected directors and the superintendent working together as the team of 10. And when you think of culture, we often hear that culture starts at the top. Culture starts with leadership. Uh, there's a great quote from the National School Boards Association. It comes from their key work of school boards guidebook. And it says, school district leadership needs to pay attention to the culture it exhibits and exemplifies because this culture permeates the classrooms directly affecting teaching. So when we think about, you know, when a, when a school board meets at a public meeting, the way in which they interact, the way in which they operate, the way in which they get things done has a real impact on the district, not only the board, the administration, the district staff, but the students learning and also the public's trust in the board's ability to get the work done. And that's really important when we think about culture. One of the most important responsibilities of a school board is to ensure that the public has trust in their ability to provide the best education or supporting the district in providing the best education for students. And when we have a ineffective culture, an unhealthy culture, it typically can lead to the erosion of the public's trust, which then makes the board's job that much more difficult. And then you'll see that there's people from the community that actively want to join the board because they think they can do a more effective job. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And, and dysfunction on a board, which is hap- which happens when you don't have a healthy culture or, you know, a productive culture radiates downward through into the administration and the district staff. And so those effects have an impact far beyond just the public's perception. Yeah. Broad reaching impacts, it sounds like from what you've described. Who is responsible for keeping a pulse of the board's culture and then addressing or at least helping to address the issues as they arise? So as we think of a school board as a team of 10, I would say It's everyone's responsibility, every member of the board's responsibility to keep a pulse on the board's culture. And then in regards to whose responsibilities to address issues as they arise, the the leader of the board is the board president. So it is their responsibility to, again, make sure that issues are addressed. When we're thinking of a, a healthy, productive culture, 
we can't sweep things under the rug and act like they're not, they don't exist and they're not there. So it's really important for the board president to take that leadership role when there are issues in the way in which the board operates and works together to address it. But the first part of the question, everyone on the board is their responsibility to keep a pulse of the board's culture. Yeah, great. That's good information. So PSBA has something called PSBA's principles for governance and leadership. How does that support a board in their work and their culture? Oh, right. So the principles for governance and leadership, uh, we have seven principles with 31 associated actions. And it's really a framework, a guide for effective, successful, productive school boards across Pennsylvania. And we really use this as the framework for our culture. I know Stuart had mentioned as we were talking, preparing for this podcast, that really the principles are the foundation of the board's culture. And when we talk about issues arising as the board president, if you have to have a conversation with a, a director about you know, what an action, something they did, um, point it back to the principles. That's really your guide, your framework for successful school boards. And to tie it into what we talked about a moment ago, you know, everybody is responsible for helping to maintain and establish our culture. And using the, the principles for governance and leadership as a foundation, give each member of the board something to point to, to say, Hey, we we need to stick to these we need to stick to these particular aspects of, uh, you know, how, how our culture should operate. These are things we've agreed should guide us in our work, and make us more successful. So when there are deviations, anybody should speak up, but primarily the board president is the first, and the members need to hold the board president accountable for doing that job for for doing that job effectively. And I would like to add that um, we encourage boards across Pennsylvania to adopt the principles as part of their policy Uh, to check to see if a board has adopted it as part of their policy would be their 011 policy within their local board procedures, their 000 section, not Mm -hmm. to get too specific, but uh, adopt the principles uh, as part of policy. And then also any district or board that's a member of PSBA can annually take our board self-assessment, which is centered around the principles. So you take the, the board self-assessment survey, each member of the board takes the survey, you get your results, and then you can have a conversation around, you know, what are our strengths in meeting the principles and where are our errors for improvement in meeting what's outlined in the principles. So nobody has to start from scratch building their board culture. You have this foundation that, that starts you off with a big head start. Right. And that sort of annual confirmation or readoption is kind of making sure that boards keep it really front of mind as they operate. Is that correct? Well, I would say that the, it's even more than that. The self-assessment process is not just talking about the principles in the abstract. It's a process by which the board self-examines and says, are we doing this? Do we mm. do work to do to, to make sure we're doing this the way it should be done? Making sure it's put into practice. Exactly. That, make, that makes sense. And, and, and so, what we, oh, sorry, Nat, I was going to say is what we recommend is after, you know, a board has, they take the survey, they get the board self-assessment results, and again, outlining where their, you know, their strengths and their areas for improvement, um, and then coming together and setting some board goals around how, how a board operates based on the, the survey feedback. So um, let's say, you know, there's a principle known as communicate clearly. If, if the board scored low in that uh, category, they could have a discussion and create some goals around how they can more effectively communicate clearly as a team with the administration, with the school community and so on. So board self-assessment centered around the principles is a great service that PSBA provides. And again, every member district of PSBA can take it annually. Great. 
Good to know. So each of the nine elected school board directors holds their seat for a term of four years, barring special circumstances. And with the superintendent of each district, that makes a team of 10. The team of 10 is changing regularly, cyclically. What is the importance of establishing onboarding procedures and orientation for new members of the board? And and how about also mentoring programs? How does that fit in? I'll start with um, going back, pointing back to board policy. If following PSBA's numbering policy system, the 004 membership policy should outline orientation, new member orientation, uh, who's responsible typically as the superintendent and the board president, and also the information they're responsible for providing. Reviewing that policy and thinking about all of the information a new director has to learn when they join the team of 10, simply put more needs done. So uh, we recommend starting with orientation, but then considering a comprehensive onboarding process. What I mean by that is start with orientation, but don't end with orientation. You know, once someone's seated after the organization meeting in December, have your initial new member orientation, but then have a a three-month check-in, have a six-month check-in, a nine-month check-in, a 12-month check-in. We recommend that because if you consider how people learn, uh, if I come to the board and I don't know much about, you know, education, I don't know much about the school board, and a new, new member orientation, you tell me everything. Well, a lot of that information's in one ear, out the other. But after a three-month check-in, and I've had you know experience in two or three board meetings, and then we review some information from orientation, but then maybe you add some more information, I can better grapple with it and grasp it and understand it because I have that experience. And then we made it a six-month check-in. Again, I have more experience to review previous information, but then to take in more information. So as I think about, you know, the team changing so often, we have to really consider our approach to welcoming and assimilating new members to the team because it has a huge impact on our culture and it has a huge impact on our productivity and how successful we can be in supporting the district and providing the best education for all students. And in my mind, uh, a good onboarding program will also include what I like to call a learning plan so that for each new member of the board, they are introduced and introduced to you know where many of the the places they can learn more about the business of the school district and the the business of the board, the functions of the board, including all of the training programs that we have available from PSBA, publications, and other resources, as well as those that that may exist at the local level. And if each member, new member of the board has a roadmap for saying, here's what my goals are for learning over the next three months, six months, or of a year, that will also contribute greatly to the success of that onboarding program. And I will add that in 2019, PSBA created what's called the New School Director Onboarding Manual. And within that manual, we also created what's known as the first year at a glance. And that at a glance is really a new director, a new member learning plan. So it outlines what should be covered at orientation, who's responsible for covering, you know, which information, typically superintendent and board president. But then again, at each check-in, it identifies what information could be covered Again, as we think of providing information in increments rather than all at once, I do want to plug that we are holding that event again this year. So on September 27th, 2021, we are having our Start Strong onboarding event where every attending district will receive PSBA's onboarding manual, the first year at a glance, some team building activities, and, and some other supporting materials. But as I go back to saying that you know what's outlined in board policy simply isn't enough, as the organization or the Association for School Boards in Pennsylvania, we have created materials to assist, to improve, to help in uh, your approach to onboarding new directors. So again, September 27th, 2021, we're holding our event where everyone's going to receive the onboarding manual. 
first year at a glance, team building activities, and again, uh, some other supporting materials as well. Great. Thank you. So switching gears a little bit, Stuart, I'm going to turn this one to you. What is Robert's rule of order and how does this fit into board culture? Well, Robert's rules of order uh, are not the only system of parliamentary procedure rules that boards can adopt. It's certainly the most widely known and probably the most widely adopted. But the bottom line to any system of rules of parliamentary procedure really boils down to ensuring that the board is focused on one issue at a time and only one voice at a time is speaking. That's really basically mm-hmm. what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, and they are, they're designed to allow the board to accomplish the business before it effectively and in a manner that it's clear what happened so that the things operate, you get your business of the board done. That's, that's uh, the purpose of those. But they also have very important impacts on board culture because among embedded in Robert's rules or any other system of parliamentary procedure, certain rules of decorum, certain do's and don'ts about treating each other with respect and courtesy. And we list in the publication that PSBA published a number of years ago, The Essentials of Parliamentary Procedure, a survival guide for Pennsylvania school directors, we list in there what we believe to be essential functions of the chairperson on the board. And those include setting and enforcing a tone of uh, civility, courtesy, and common purpose, as well as other things, maintaining decorum, calling inappropriate behavior out of order when it happens, quickly responding to lapses. In any, in any organization, there are sometimes lapses where you depart from the usual standards of conduct that, that it can happen in the heat of a moment. But it's really, it's really critical that the chairperson and the other members holding each other and the chair accountable quickly move to correct those lapses. And Robert's rules or any system of parliamentary procedure gives the chairperson the tools to do that. Uh, and so I often say that the most important decision when you are deciding who's going to be your board president and who chairs most of your meetings and the board vice president who steps in when the board president isn't there to chair a meeting isn't really which faction of the board they're aligned with, what their personal philosophies are, but can they chair a good meeting and do they have the courage to really protect, to be a defender of board culture and proper decorum? Mm-hmm. Well, And I just want to add to that fantastic overview um, from Stuart that there's a lot of guidance on the books and board policy. So I never want to let an opportunity go where I can direct some uh, attention to, to where this information's at. So in your 006 meetings policy or in a board 006 meetings policy, they'll have which parliamentary procedure they follow. Typically it's Robert's Rules of Order of Stewart said, but there's others as well. So as again, you're looking for the guidance, either you're on the board or you're a member of the public, uh, these board policies are open or available to the public as well. So again, 006 outlines the guidance around public school board meetings. That's good to know. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that that is available publicly as well. And so there's something called school board reorganization, and you've already touched upon the leadership of the board, but how does school board reorganization and board culture, what's the uh, interaction there? Well, the most important thing that happens every year for board organization, frequently referred to as reorganization, is the president and vice president of the board. And so when I talked a moment ago about what are the most important characteristics you should you should be looking for in those people are mm-hmm. ones not necessarily how they feel about any particular issue or whether who they align with on the board, because really the, the ultimate powers of the board president are, are somewhat limited and few. Sometimes the board allows the board the powers of the board president to expand greatly 
because it's just been that way or they allow it to happen. But in essence, the most important attributes that you want are somebody with the, you know, who knows how to run a good meeting, familiar with the rule, the applicable rules of procedure, and who has the courage to do what needs to be done when it comes time to protect the board's culture, to protect the decorum of the meetings, and to correct lapses quickly and politely and gently. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if I could, if I could add, um, you know, a lot of us have this fear of conflict, and when we're when we're working on a team, there, there's going to be conflict. Um, we can approach it, and and we can approach it in a way that's healthy. So it's known as healthy conflict. So there's ways in which we can have these conversations. You know, when you're a board president addressing issues, they don't have to be fearful. I mean, there's a strategic way of addressing this that again we can engage in healthy conflict as a team because that's going to help us ultimately move forward and be more productive. Yeah. I think in the context of board organization, it's also important to remember that you may elect president annually, but empowering that board president to do what needs to be done, both for the benefit of the board's culture, the benefit of the board getting its work done for the benefit of the district, that needs to be continuous. Board members need to, throughout the course of the year, you know, empower their chairperson to serve the stuff that nobody should really disagree about. Mm -hmm. So in terms of board culture, we've kind of talked about the, the makeup of the board and the leadership, but in terms of, of board culture, all members are actually leaders. Tell us what is meant by that. So I'll start and I'll just go back to the quote that I shared at the beginning. School district leadership needs to pay attention to the culture it exhibits and exemplifies because this culture permeates the classrooms directly affecting teaching. Every school director is in a leadership role. Every school director is part of the district leadership team of 10 so again, the way in which you approach the work, you work with your colleagues, the way you approach your work at board meetings, it all impacts the, not only the board's culture, but the culture of the district. So again, as we consider all members are leader in keeping a pulse on the, on the board's culture and making sure that it's a healthy, productive, successful, effective culture, ultimately for the success of the school district. Yeah. Everybody's got responsibility there then. Absolutely. And I just want to clarify, I mentioned this onboarding program that's going to be held on September 27th, 2021. That program is for anyone who is in a leadership role, be it superintendent, board president, vice president, who's now considering how they're going to welcome and assimilate new members after they're elected in November. This event is for those who are in the leadership role, putting together their onboarding materials, their approach, their plan. It's not necessarily for those who were recently elected. Again, it's to, to prepare for the elections and the onboarding process. Good, good clarification. So, and it will be interesting to see the outcomes of the uh, November election. I know there's a lot of discussion around that right now. I just want to plug, again, as we think about onboarding, really mm -hmm. consider what you want your new directors to say about the process once they join the team. Mm -hmm. We want them to feel valued. We want them to feel welcomed. We want them to feel like they are part of the team when they join. So again, as we're talking about onboarding and culture, really think of your approach as you get ready for your team to change. Your culture doesn't have to change, but the team dynamics will. So we have to think of how we welcome and assimilate new members to our team. And Annette, I promise I'm done. <laughs> I, I just want to add one other thing about the uh, principles for governance and leadership, Yeah, which is it's a great foundation. You don't have to start from scratch. But boards should also understand as they're looking at those and as they're holding each other accountable to them, as they're doing their board self-assessment, if there's something about the way the board, the principles as written, don't come across with the same degree of understanding that the board would like, they're not rigid. The boards are encouraged to customize them in a way that works well for them and reinforces, you know, better reinforces their board's culture. That's good to know that it's not 
expected to be a cookie cutter approach. So thank you both for joining us on this episode. This is such an important topic area with, especially as we understand the impact it has on the whole school district. So thank you both for these explanations. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate your having us. Keystone Education Radio is a production of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. This episode is brought to you in part by Edgenuity and HHSDR Architects and Engineers. Visit our website at keyedradio.org for more information and resources related to today's discussion. Past episodes can be seen there as well. Subscribe, share, and follow us on social media so you can stay tuned to the new topics and interviews as they're released. This is Annette Stevenson saying thanks for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.